Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as always, uh, by Chris Shepard. And unfortunately, no Jim Campbell tonight. He had to work. But uh, Shepard, how's it going? Hey, Chris, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, So you're undoubtedly going to hear a little bit of background noise here. Shepard is in a hub of NFL people right now, which seems like a pretty cool and exciting place to be, uh, just surrounded by a bunch of people who love the NFL and are involved in it in varying degrees. And uh, he's at, at the Senior Bowl. Day two is in the books. And so we're going to talk a whole bunch about that, but uh, impressions without going into too much detail before we get into that, what, what are your impressions of, of day two now that you have an adequate amount of sleep and got to get eyeballs on it and were appropriately clothed for the, the weather to deal with? Yeah, so <laughs> day two was uh, was much more enjoyable. I mean, day one was a lot of fun, but day two was uh, it was even more fun because, like you said, I, I wasn't freezing, uh, and I was thinking clearly for most of the day. So, really, it was uh, it was good to go in uh, fresh and and ready to go. And um, you know, the the second day had fewer things packed into it, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I've kind of got my feet underneath me a little bit, and and uh, I'm seeing things. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more things and. And seeing things maybe for a little bit more of what they are rather than walking around, you know, like a starstruck teenager at a uh, One Direction concert. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So one of the things we didn't talk about yesterday, I do want to get into this a little bit today, is this this idea about what it is that we should be taking away from the Senior Bowl. Because uh, it's become a little bit more hyped in in recent years, and especially because of the cults we talked about, uh, that they've, they've taken eight players from the the senior bowl in the past two seasons and uh so i got the list here i'm gonna go through really quickly let me grab it because the eight players that they've added to the roster so they added and these are not all draft picks uh seven of the eight are draft picks but kamogo Ture, taekwon lewis darius leonard uh ever heard of him uh ben banagu uh, kari willis gary green bobby okariki and rocky sin were all selected from uh, as draft picks that that were guys that stood out at the Senior Bowl in the past two seasons. Also, Michael Badgley, the uh, the kicker that we actually brought in two years ago um, in training camp, and then he was waived and is now the kicker for the Chargers, um, mm-hmm. and and a pretty good one. So uh, eight guys. Th- there's a good chance there's going to be at least three or four guys from this group that you're there seeing now that are going to be on the Colts. Mm-hmm. So so in that regard. The Senior Bowl is important, and I think that Colts fans have gotten a little bit more plugged in to the Senior Bowl because of that. But 
what I wanted you to give some uh, shine a light on a little bit and give some uh, some focus to is just how much should we actually take the results of the senior bowl? How much should that sway our opinion about a player? Um, you know, what kind of things are you looking for when you're when you're there watching on the ground and, and other people that are doing the same? What are you looking for in a player and how much do you or don't you react to what you're seeing? Sure. So I think the biggest thing for for folks who are watching at home, it, because I mean, this is it's happened a lot um, where, you know, somebody will say, well, this guy said so and so had a great day. This guy said so and so had a bad day. Who do I believe? Well, you know, that's kind of one of those things where what I'm looking at um, may not be the same thing as what other people are looking at. Uh, if I think a guy had a rough day, it's maybe because I value for that position uh, one skill and they don't really worry about that as much because a question that they had about that prospect has been answered. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, just saying this guy had a good day or this guy had a bad day, uh, it can be kind of tricky because... Um, you know, that's going to mean different things to different people. And and um, one thing that I think a lot of people need to realize is that the Senior Bowl is just one part of the puzzle. Um, and the Senior Bowl game itself is a, a very small part of that puzzle. I, I think that the, the week of practice is probably far more important uh, than, than the results of the game itself. Well, and I wonder too, and, and this may or may not be correct, but I wonder if for a lot of teams, and the Colts would definitely be among them, uh, this is an opportunity to have conversations with these players. It's another chance to get to know the players individually, find out, uh, find out, you know, what makes them tick and, you know, mentally where they're at, what they're able to process and all that stuff. They're learning new concepts. And that's something that obviously is important to teams. They got to be able to kind of, you know, react on the fly. And uh, they're, they're trying to work their way in with an entirely new group of people that they aren't familiar mm -hmm. with and, so in many ways, it, it tells you some very specific and in in a lot of ways like a uh, kind of an – I wouldn't say necessarily intangibles are the specific thing people are looking at, but it's a good way to, to gauge some intangibles and right. and not something that maybe you or I uh, have access to because in some, to, in some respect, it's going to be people who are actually hands-on involved uh, or having sit-downs with these guys or, or things like mm -hmm. that, but – but definitely some things to be learned uh, about the character of players. And like, like you said, there are traits to be watched and, and things to see how guys stack up, especially for some of these smaller school guys who are going up against competition that's significantly better than probably a lot that they faced throughout the past uh, right. two, three or four years of their collegiate career. So um, kind of just wanted to talk about that briefly because I know that there are going to be overreactions regardless. There's overreactions to the combine. There's overreactions to every phase of the draft. Right. And uh, while the senior bowl is important, obviously, because the Colts continue to draft players from that, I don't want Colts fans to leave with the expectation that this is the end all be all or that, that you should right. over, over or underrate it. Like you said, it's a piece of the puzzle, not, not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, if somebody comes out and you, you read a bunch of bad reports about your favorite player in this upcoming draft, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that the guy's not good or that he should be moved down draft boards or anything like that. It could just be that uh, the dude had the flu and nobody in the media knows about it, or he just had a bad week or whatever it is. It, this is just one part to the puzzle. It doesn't, especially for fans and people in the media, um, if someone has a bad week, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that it's going to impact him negatively. Uh, if they have a great week, it's going to help them. Um, in order for it to actually hurt a prospect, 
I think the prospect probably just has to be an absolute moron and play terribly. So, but you know, that's uh, the absolute moron part. We, we aren't going to know that. Um, you know, kind of like you talked about teams talking to the prospects, they're the ones that are going to know uh, who these guys are in, in that way. So I think that that's really the only way that a prospect is going to seriously hurt themselves during the, the senior bowl. And again, if, you know, if your favorite player prospect is, you know, somebody says something bad about them, don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Don't worry about it too much. Well, and likewise, if they're lighting everybody up and, and they look amazing, that also has to be taken with a grain of salt. Yes, that's sure. That, that, I mean, if, if they're a player who their tape was terrible and they're just lighting mm-hmm. up the, I mean, you got you got to just kind of weigh that a little bit. It could be that certain. I, I was reading, uh, and I'm going to screw it up, and I wish that I could remember who said it. Mm, I, I don't remember for certain if it comes if it occurs to me. I'll. Uh, it was a a draft guy that I trust, uh, one of the many who I've been reading, talking about Jordan Love specifically, and how mm-hmm. a lot of the drills kind of play to his strengths, and that we might not see some of the things that there are questions about in this particular environment because the things that he's going to be asked to do are largely things he's good at and so again you can't overrate those things and i'm as big a fan of of his as many um but you know even people like that you do have to take with things with a grain of salt and not not let it affect you too much one way or the other this is a piece to the puzzle and the film and what you've studied on these guys is going to be a whole lot more important long term um in that evaluation process so Getting to that, and now that we've uh, told everybody to settle down <laughs> on the things that you see there, what did you see today? Who did you watch, and what kind of stuff jumped out at you today? Sure. So um, I've been focusing on the offensive and defensive lines. That's um, kind of that's the world I like to live in. I, so Zach really likes. We've been coordinating. Zach really likes offensive line too, uh, but he has been gracious and he's uh, he's kind of taken to watching uh, the other positions. And the reason that we kind of split it up that way is that the the offensive line and defensive lines um, when they go to individual work and then group work together, um, they're kind of down on one in, one end of the field or the other. Uh, whereas the you know the skill guys and um, you know linebackers and quarterbacks they're all kind of in the middle of the field so it, it would be tough to watch um, you know the offensive and defensive line and also the receivers like you could do it you could split up your time but this way uh, I really do think that we're able to cover um, you know more positions more closely so um, we're working it that way for for Stampede Blue and it's uh, in my opinion it's been really helpful so uh, I'm focusing mostly on them uh, when you know 11 on 11s happen and everybody comes together and they scrimmage um, today they did it towards the end of practice which is normally when you do that um, you know I, I get to watch a, a little bit more of everyone um, but most of my work is is focused on the lines yeah that's I mean, that's an area that I know that the Colts coaching staff was going to be uh, today, according to what Frank Reich said yesterday. Um, we know how much Chris Ballard values that area. I know that the, the Colts fans are excited about the skill positions. That's what we're interested in. Uh, we know that there's some some holes in some of those spots, and so that's obviously the more flashy area to watch. But we know that there are some question marks at offensive line. There are questions on the defensive line. So, so there are guys certainly there that, um, that are worth kind of our investigating. What's, what's your read on how talent is shaken out on the defensive line, uh, based on what you saw today? Sure. So the first guy I'll talk about is Javon Kinlaw. Um, Kinlaw at his way in, uh, 
he I think I talked about this yesterday, but he didn't he didn't look normal. The guy's a freak, but he's a physical freak. And then when he got on the field yesterday, it was the same kind of a thing. He was he was just laying waste to everybody that got in front of him. Uh, and then today, um, the first thing I noticed when I, I started watching Kinlaw, I you know I noticed that he was lined up in one on ones, and he didn't quite look like he had the burst he did yesterday. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that's kind of weird. A, a guy doesn't lose burst overnight, and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, a couple more reps go by, and he's back up again. And I, I look at him, and he goes through, and it's the same kind of a deal. He's still really good. He's still, you know, fighting through blocks and all that. But it something was just different. And then I noticed that he was walking back, and he was kind of walking with a limp. Uh, and I haven't really seen anybody note that. Um, I looked on Twitter a little bit, um, and nobody really said anything about it from what I've seen so far. I didn't do it you know, a, a huge search you know, going way back to, to practice today. But I did notice that he was walking with a little bit of a limp. And if if he does have an injury, which I assume that he does, that's probably why, um, you know, why he wasn't performing at the same level he was yesterday. Everybody's talking about Ken Law as a winner. And even, <laughs> even though he was hurt, he was still really good. I don't want people to think that um, you know, Kinlaw fell off a bunch from day one to day two. He didn't. He was still very good. There was just something clearly different. Uh, and really, if he's at the Senior Bowl going through Senior Bowl practices injured uh, and he hasn't just decided just to drop out, um, you know, that I think that speaks to his character and, and who he is. Um, still playing very well. But, uh, you know, Kinlaw's a guy that he's, you know, before this, if anybody had any questions about how early he was going to go, uh, I don't see any way this guy – you know, falls out of the top 10 unless there's just something catastrophic that happens. But beyond Ken Law, um, beyond him, there are a lot of guys up front that uh, that have really done pretty well. Um, a guy I talked about yesterday, um, oh, the, for the South squad, uh, let me look here. Uh, oh, Ben Barch, that's right, the, the Division Three player from St. John's. Um, Barch had another good day today. He's struggled working in combo blocks, so anytime... Uh, he and a guard need to work together on, you know, some sort of a zone run look. Uh, he struggled there, but he really excelled in a lot of other places. And, um, you know, I, I'm almost not trusting my eyes with what I see with Ben Barch because I haven't watched tape on the guy yet. Um, but he looks more athletic than what I thought he was going to be. And, you know, part of that's because he does come from a Division three school. And, um, you know, when I think Division three, I don't usually think of great athletes. And maybe that's a, a fault of mine. Um, you know, I, I want to watch this guy on tape and, and see what I see there. But in person, um, Ben Barch seems like a, he seems like a good athlete. If you would have told me that this guy was from Auburn or South Carolina or Clemson, I, I would have believed you. Um, Barch looks good. Um, yeah, he, you know, not great, but good. He's got some holes in his game. So, uh, another guy is, uh, Keith Ishmael. He's a center. Uh, Colts don't need a center. So that's, you know, really neither here nor there, but, um, he's from San Diego state and he has looked great. Um, there have been some reps where, you know, they're mediocre, but then other reps, his form, his technique is just perfect. Arms are locked out, uh, good knee bend, you know, straight flat back, um, he he's been everything that you could ask for in a center. I do think that he he weighed in uh, a little. He's a little undersized. I want to say he was six one. He might have been right at three hundred pounds. Um, so that's really the only knock on the guy. Um, but otherwise, his play on the field has been has been good. Um, it's something to to really look forward to there. Um, let's see. I got my notes here. I'm just trying kind of trying to go through them. Kinlaw, and then oh uh, Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson's a guy that he's flashed some on the defensive line. 
Um, he's a, a guy from uh, uh, from Auburn. Um, his defensive line, 6'3", 278. Um, he, he's a big guy, and for his size, he's actually shown quite a bit of burst and acceleration um, coming off the line and, and, you know, really getting after it. Um, I'll try to find one more guy here just really quick. Um, if we want to talk about edge rushers, uh, where is my guy from? See, this this makes for really not great radio uh, or podcasts, uh, and that's my fault. I'm very sorry. Yeah, you you guys heard that. That is Shepard's fault, all his fault. Uh, <laughs> nothing to do with me here. Uh, so while you're kind of looking through that, I'm just wondering uh-huh. – um, because so the Colts I made this observation last night I I just I have I'm starting to get this sense that there are enough players um, where the Colts could kind of be in a good spot either way things were to go Uh, there's a lot of defensive line talent that's flashing that could be uh, worthy of that number 13 pick but also there are a lot of quarterbacks who there, – there are some quarterback-needy teams in front of the Colts that could push some of those guys down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also – it could go the other way where some of those uh, some of those teams say, you know what, we're going to look. Uh, Brett was talking in the Slack channel today about the weird circumstance that we're finding ourselves this year with quarterbacks because there are so many veterans who may be on the market. And so there may be some teams who say, I'm willing to, you know, to pay a veteran um, – and let them be a stopgap because I don't think that I need to, to spend a high pick on a quarterback this year. Maybe I'll do that next year. Um, and some of these teams just kick the can down the road and take a more talented player maybe uh, or a player they feel more confident in, in, at least in their evaluation. And that could leave a better quarterback available to the Colts. I think there are some options uh, for the Colts, and, and I think you should be encouraged either way things go. Uh, but it sounds like both on the – on the quarterback front, uh, from from what we've seen, there's been some good performances out of Love and Herbert both, and that's encouraging. But then also some of these defensive linemen, um, the list of, of guys that we've heard a little bit from and, and the ones that, that you've mentioned or the names that I've heard uh, most significantly are guys that, that could fall to the Colts if – there's a big run on quarterbacks or if, you know, if some position, if wide receiver ends up taking uh, precedent or, or, and again, same deal, the wide receivers could drop a little bit. I think the Colts could find themselves in a really good spot where uh, there's a run on a position and some position of need falls to where they need uh, to where they can pick something, pick a really high quality blue chip player. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the guy that I think a lot of Colts fans are, are, kind of thinking about and talking about other than you know quarterbacks everybody everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks but I've seen a lot of people especially since yesterday um is Javon Kinlaw a lot of Colts fans are interested in him um and you know if so if the Colts if Chris Ballard and his staff don't see the quarterback of the future if if there's nobody there that they like there's nobody or there's no one in the draft that they like that they're willing to move up to get um, and somehow Javon Kinlaw is still available at 13. He shouldn't be, uh, but if he is, um, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I I would really like that pick. Um, I, I think that you couldn't go wrong with that. Um, Kinlaw has a really cool story. Um, he seems like a, a really decent guy. Uh, I've kind of seen him around a little bit and just seen how he interacts with people. He seems like a, a decent kid um, and somebody that, you know, has the physical ability to be a star for you for really the next, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. So if you take him, I, you know, 
I think that you're taking a safe guy, a guy that uh, has his head on right and and uh, is going to give you success for a long time. Well, and this is not a senior bowl player, but the Draft Network did a live mock, I guess, and they mocked Derek Brown to the Colts at mm-hmm. 13. And my initial takeaway there was that that would just be a jailable offense by Chris Ballard. He would be arrested on the spot because if he were to fall to 13, it means that some fantastic things have worked out for the Colts. And I think they'd have to be really happy uh, about getting a, a player of his caliber that deep into right. the draft. And while that might upset some Colts fans, the other side of it is, I mean, if you reach for a quarterback, if they're not confident in, in, in the quarterback that they would grab at that spot, um, Mm-hmm. or some other position, man, you get a year down the road and your quarterback is underperforming and you watch a, a ridiculous talent at, at defensive line tearing it up on, on another team, that's really hard to stomach. And, you know, you, you could look at your team in you know 2021 and say, hey, we have a really good defensive line and now we got to go get a quarterback. Um, I, I know that there's this urgency around the quarterback position. But I think the Colts are just kind of in a unique situation where they're not – as much as we don't want to say this because we want to see entertaining football, they're not pigeonholed into one spot where they have to take the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some options for them. So, Right. Yeah, and so I think that that's one thing that, um, you know, I, I like to think that people in our position can kind of help to influence, um, you know, maybe how other people – see different situations, but I don't know that there's anything that we can write or say or do um, to kind of help prepare Colts fans for uh, what happens if uh, if Chris Ballard doesn't identify anybody that he's willing to, uh, to risk his and a lot of other people's jobs on. Um, because frankly, uh, Jacoby Brissett, while he played poorly in the last few games, um, he can, he can get you to eight and eight and eight and eight, uh, next season isn't going to it's not going to get anybody fired and if you can if you can maybe find somebody in the next draft that you like if you don't like anyone in this one then you know you go out and you take them so you know I I hate to to prepare people for Jacoby Brissett to be the starter in 2020 I hope that doesn't happen I hope just as much as anybody that the Colts feel strongly about a guy uh, they go out they do whatever they need to do to get their guy and they get him but with that said, you know, uh, I'm not privy to all the information that Chris Ballard is. I know what I think. I know the guys that I like based on what I've seen. Um, but, you know, I've kind of got to trust what Ballard does at this point. I mean, he's he's made a lot of good moves. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck if we get here and Jacoby's our best option. But, you know, we could do a whole lot worse than Jacoby Brissett as our starter. So um, if, if the pick comes up and – You've got a couple of quarterbacks. If Justin Herbert and Jordan Love are still on the board at 13, I don't think they will be. But if they are uh, and, you know, Chris Ballard takes a guy like Javon Kinlaw, well, then, you know what? Neither one of those guys were were the guys that Chris Ballard was willing to risk his job for. And, you know, I, I have to respect that with, you know, the job that he's done in Indy so far. So as much as that would suck, um, it's a definite possibility and, you know, uh, patience isn't something sports fans are good at, but we might just have to be patient on this one. Well, and the other thing is, like you said, he he may say, uh, I feel like this defensive lineman is a sure thing, and mm-hmm. I, I am not sold on pick number 13 with both of those guys. If both of those guys are still there, and like we've said, 
I don't think that's likely, but maybe the read on those guys is not as good with the teams as it is with the, um, with the, the media and what we've seen. Um, and so if, if they're both sitting there, he may say, Hey, I've got the, you know, I've already passed the loop of all of these teams that hypothetically would have taken a quarterback and I've got the number 34 pick in the second round. I can come back up into the first round with a pretty, a pretty reasonable trade. Um, and maybe take this guy if he's still sitting around at the end of the at the end of the first round. Uh, so I'm going to take this defensive lineman I feel comfortable with, and then I'll move up and grab this guy where I think he belongs, or or maybe wait until into the second round uh, if they if yeah. they hypothetically fall. We don't we don't always know. Obviously, it would be a surprise if either of those guys fell out of the first round, but um, it's not unheard of, and it does happen. And you get runs on different players and. I don't know. It's a strange year, um, and and For and sure. really hard to predict what what uh, way things are going to go. So I think it will be one of those things that it's important for Colts fans to just be kind of patient and understanding, and then remember. And despite what kind of conversations that you hear a little bit, remember that Chris Ballard has done a really good job of drafting and, and selecting good talent. Mm-hmm. So um, he's he's earned the benefit of the doubt. I know that there's a lot of people in the Stampy Blue comments that that would try to convince you otherwise. And uh, I guess I don't really know how to help you there, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, he's he's been very good at evaluating talent and matching it up with what the Colts need. So um, if he if he makes a pick, I think that's probably going to be uh, a solid one. He's he's done really well in the early rounds uh, of the draft since he got his scout team in place and got his coaching staff in place and everything. So I think we can feel pretty good about whoever it is that he picks and that they should be uh, a reasonably big impact on this organization going forward and shouldn't get pigeonholed on any one position. Cause he's only told us exactly that that's not something you should do. I mean, he literally right. he literally said in his press conference, you don't reach for a quarterback that sets you back four or five years. Um, now that could have been an offhanded comment and just, Hey, this is generally the philosophy, but it also could be an indicator of what he thinks about this quarterback class. Um, yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of it too is just, yeah, I, so I think in his own way, in a way of not giving anything away, Chris Ballard's kind of always tried to prepare everyone for, for what's going to happen. And that might be his way of saying, hey, all the guys that we like in this quarterback class are going to go before our pick, and we may not be able to move up and get one. So we're not going to reach on a guy at 13, 34, or wherever. It, the, the thing is, is that if you do take a quarterback in the first round, that guy has to start. If not this year, he's got to start next year. And if you reach, if you take the wrong guy, we've seen it time and time again with franchises. Colts fans have been extremely lucky. We went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, uh, and now um, you know we're, we have Jacoby Brissett. And while Jacoby Brissett is a very large step down from either of those guys, um, man, it you know it could go worse. Uh, it could be way way worse. Um, you know, so I think Chris Ballard realizes that and he's just kind of trying to let everybody know hey you know you know we're not going to make an investment in a guy that we have to commit to because if you take a quarterback in the first round you have to commit to him it's and you have one player can dictate the the future of your franchise for the next like he said at least four to five years and if you're not sold completely you don't take him if you if you miss on a on a first round pick that's a Let's say you miss on a first round corner. That that sucks. That hurts. But it's also, 
maybe not going to lose you that many games. Um, you know, you can fill that hole in other ways, but there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of good free agent quarterbacks. Well, this year you can maybe make that argument, but they're all old. Uh, but in most years, there aren't that many free agent quarterbacks who are going to come in and change your organization the way that you know you can find a Pierre Desir, uh, a guy that was on the on a practice squad that we picked up and has come in and played great when he's been healthy. So you know it's just a, it's a different ball game with a quarterback and. And I think that that's kind of what Ballard is, uh, you know, is trying to prepare everyone for. Absolutely. And uh, so as we're kind of winding down here, because we did have it, we're going to have podcasts all week. So we don't want to, uh, you know, go too terribly long. Basically, want to give you the floor to kind of give any uh, final takeaways from today. Um, anything that, you know, jumped out at you or, or just jumped out at you about this experience. I know you're going to still be doing your, uh, your diaries and your pieces popping up on stampede blue, kind of covering all this stuff, but anything about this experience that, that has popped out at you that you want to share, uh, with those of us who are stuck, uh, back at home. Yeah, sure. Um, so as far as the experience itself, the, so my diary post from yesterday, it, it is coming from the first day that I spent here in Mobile. It is coming out. I'm actually in the process of writing it right now. I know it's a day late, um, but man, there to start with the process there is, uh, or with the, the experience, there is a lot more here uh, going on that fills up your day than what I expected there to be. Um, so I really just ran out of time and my diary piece was probably the least important one. So, um, it got kind of pushed to the back burner, but that one will be coming out. Then I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to do a diary piece for every day, but just the experience itself. Um, it's been really cool. You know, I, <laughs> I'm sitting not far from an unnamed team, um, that, you know, is doing interviews with prospects. Um, you know, they're informal interviews, of course, and you know, they're out here in the public, but, um, it's not the Colts. So, you know, nobody listening cares what team it is, but, um, you know, I, I'm 10 feet from that, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, uh, it's really, man, it's wild. I'm seeing, you know, all these draft prospects walk by and, and all the different media guys are trying to grab them and, and, you know, get interviews and get sound bites. And I'm watching kids run around with notepads, trying to get autographs from their favorite college players. And, and it's just, it's a really cool experience. Um, it, it's really neat. It has been from the time I showed up and, and, uh, you know, another thing that I do want to say too, uh, I don't know if Zach, uh, listens to our podcast and it's okay if he doesn't. Um, but Zach Hicks, uh, if you guys don't read Zach Hicks's work, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It's really good. You should read it. Um, but Zach's been to the, the senior bowl three times now. This is his third trip. Uh, I got down here. I knew nothing. I knew no one. Uh, and I reached out to Zach and I said, Hey man, I'd love to meet up and come say, Hey, and he told me where he was. And, and ever since then I've kind of been, I kind of been following him around like I'm a lost puppy. Um, just, you know, he's kind of been showing me the ropes and I think I'm about 10 years older than him, but, uh, I've been relying on him to show me around and, uh, he's really been great. He, he didn't, he hasn't had to uh, do the things he's done and, and, uh, just a, a shout out to Zach. Um, you know, he's been great and, and helped me and he's introduced me to a lot of people and, He's introduced me to a lot of people that I follow on Twitter, so uh, so that's been pretty cool, and it's uh, really it's been a lot of fun. I uh, you know even if you don't get a media credential, even if you can't get a media credential, if you're just a big football fan, uh, if you enjoy the draft, um, there's plenty to do and plenty to see down here. If uh, you know if you were thinking about coming or if you just wanted to take a football related trip, 
this is a pretty cool one to take. Uh, so today, uh, I was actually on the field at the same time as Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and um, a few other coaches. Like I was feet away from these guys, and that's you know that's really cool. That's something you can't do without a credential, but um, you can still be right there listening to those guys talk, and and it's just it's just a really cool event. Uh, it it is really really neat. Yeah, uh, as a general fan of football, that's that's just a cool thing to be able to to be that close to people uh, that deeply involved. And uh, yeah. definitely, it's always great to have people like Zach who are willing to kind of guide you through that. Jake Arthur uh, did that for me at Colts camp when I was walking in and just aimlessly wandering like the most lost <laughs> human ever. And it was just like, oh, I know Jake. I'm going to just glue myself to his hip. And he was probably a little annoyed, uh, but kind of helped me figure, you know, it's like the it's like the kid that's drowning and you just be like, you grab their arm. You're like, hey, kid, stand up. <laughs> you're, in, right, you're, yeah. in, you're, you're in a three foot pool boot, dude. You just just put your feet on the ground. Um, right. That, that's about how it felt. But at the same time, uh, you need those people to help out there. And it's always really cool that we've got guys like that around that, that are willing to do that. So uh, lots of good stuff still coming this week, guys, uh, both on the Senior Bowl and other things that are going on. Pro Bowl is coming up. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, later in the week on Stampede Blue, there will be some content related to that. Uh, we're ramping up the process of preparing our draft guide, and all that good draft-related stuff is going to get rolling here with the Senior Bowl kind of kicking it off. Um, Shepard, are you going to be watching the same group for the rest of the week, or do you have other plans as far as the next few days in terms of, of what you're going to be observing for tomorrow sure. and going so uh, tomorrow they actually they've moved the practice indoors um, because there there is a 100 percent chance of rain here in Mobile, Alabama, um, and so the the media uh, we were told will be allowed to attend the practice, uh, and we will all be <laughs> all of us will be in one end zone. Um, so I don't really know how uh, things are going to go tomorrow. Uh, I know me and Zach will formulate you know some sort of a plan. I'm sure. Um, but you know, if, if I have my choice, I would I would like to stick with the offensive and defensive lines. I feel like I'm getting a good feel for who these guys are and, and kind of their games. And um, what's really interesting for me is tracking you know these guys' progression as the week goes on. If a guy played poorly on day one, you know, did he play better on day two? Did he settle down? Is was he maybe just nervous or whatever it is? So I would like to watch the offensive and defensive line groups. Um, but again, with the uh, circumstances being changed, that may not be possible, and we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see what uh, what's going on tomorrow. Yeah, that's one of the things that Mark Schofield, who uh, writes for Inside the Pylon and is a great follow as well, if you are interested in football stuff. Um, that's one of the things that he specifically talked about is he referred to it as baseline day uh, mm-hmm. that, that first day just to kind of figure out where everybody's at and then gauge the progress through the week. And probably the best way to do that is to watch the same guys uh, throughout that whole time. So right. very cool. Um, we'll be back. Um, I don't know if are we going to be back tomorrow? Have you got are you going to think you're going to be able to record tomorrow? Yeah, I don't see why not. I uh, I won't have anything going on after practice. So, yeah, that'll work. All right, cool. So we'll be back again with another podcast tomorrow night, guys. And we're going to keep pumping them out. We're going to cover all the Senior Bowl content that you want and some of the stuff that you didn't know you wanted and some of the stuff <laughs> that you didn't want and we're going to give you anyway. Uh, because that's what we do here. So we'll be back. Um, and maybe Jim will be able to join us tomorrow. And we'll cover some more Senior Bowl stuff. But until then... Chris, uh, go have fun, schmooze with all of those football fellas, and uh, we'll catch all of you guys later. See you.
Alright, so normally we'd be done at this point, and we actually were done, but, you know, Shepard is, like I said, in a hub of football people, and he looks up, and who does he see but Colts legendary former general manager Bill Polian. And being that he is a bold guy, and he's just, you know, not going to back down from any opportunity, he walked up to Bill and uh, was able to ask him a couple of questions. And so we're going to tag that on to the end of the show, and I'm sure that Shepard is going to be really excited to talk about that experience tomorrow night on the podcast. But until that point, uh, we're going to send you out with a few questions that Shepard had for legendary Colts general manager Bill Pullian. So hope you enjoy. So... The first thing that I want to know, and I think a lot of Colts fans want to know, how would you handle the situation that the Colts are currently in with the retirement of Andrew Luck and potentially needing a quarterback moving forward? Well, I mean, you handle it like every other situation. Every year in the NFL, there are myriad problems that you have to deal with, especially at this time of year. So, you know, you prioritize what, you're, what you think needs to be dealt with first. And then you start to formulate plans. You talk inside the organization, get an, uh, get a, an evaluation of Jacoby, uh, evaluate what, how you can improve every position. Uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done at different positions, not just quarterback. That's sure. the one everybody focuses right. on. But having said that, this is a really good team. So, uh, you know, it, it's not, it, it doesn't have to be overhauled and built from the ground up. Uh, and you got in, in, in Chris and Frank two people who know how to do it. So they'll prioritize. They'll take a look at the marketplace. They'll take a look at their cap situation. They'll take a look at who needs to be re-signed. They'll prioritize what their what their needs are mm-hmm. and, and attack it accordingly. Um, I haven't talked to either of them about it, but I would presume that with Jacoby with a, a, another year to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a starter in place, and, and you work from there. Sure, absolutely. Um, now, with Andrew's retirement, it was unexpected, shocking for everyone. Um, then we see Luke Keekley retire recently at, at an early age. Is this something that you think is going to start happening more and more, or were those just two one-off situations that were just unique to those yeah, guys? Yeah, I think they're unique to those guys. They're, they're two very smart guys. They're two guys that give their heart and soul to the game. Mm-hmm. Two guys who have recently undergone lots of injury problems, mm-hmm. uh, so that enters into it. Uh, I, I don't see that as a you know a general tra- a general tw- trend. Sure, uh, guys can uh, now basically because of the money mm-hmm. retire if they want to, as opposed to even when I was last in the league, which was 2011 where, you know, you basically needed to keep playing right. to keep that income coming. And that's not the case anymore, sure. particularly with first-round draft choices. Yeah. So it's anomalous. Is that why you think Luck retired? I mean, obviously the injuries wore on him. Oh, well, no, what he told you is absolutely true. Sure. But understand that he's financially secure. Right. As opposed to a player 15 years ago who in the right. same position who would not have been sure. financially secure. Sure, absolutely. All right, well um, – with the 13th pick, do you think that there will be anyone available at the quarterback position? Obviously, other positions um, there would be, but do you think that there would be anyone available who you, if you were the general manager, would select? It's too early to tell. Sure. you got to go through the process. This is the beginning of the process. I saw 
a uh, billboard today that mm-hmm. says the draft begins here. Sure, absolutely. Um, that, that's where it, this absolutely. is the beginning of the process. So you go through the whole process, and then by the time you hit second week in April, then you're able to say, okay, here's the likelihood of who may be there when we pick, and here's what we might want to do to go up, here's what we might want to do to go down. But it's way too early sure. to tell that. Mr. Polian, thank you very much. And, hey, thank you for almost every great sports memory of my childhood. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.